welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C. Oh my God, today I'm going to be talking with Noel Kasler. He worked with the Trump family on The Apprentice. He's been making the rounds. He, I know he was on the Stephanie Miller show. I've seen him talk to Stuttering John and a number of other people. He's spilling the beans on the Trumps, and I absolutely love it. This guy is freaking great. You're going to love this interview. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to spend too much time in the beginning talking, but I, I will remind people, don't forget, I am now an Amazon associate, and I'm going to include that link in the text description of the show on Patreon. So when you shop on Amazon, use that link. I am a participant in the Amazon Services LCC, I'm sorry, LLC Associates Program, which is an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking Amazon and affiliated sites. So there's that. And the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast. It's supported by listeners and it's woman run. And I am trying to do this really quick because I just want to get to the interview because it's so damn good. (laughs) I don't have corporate backers and I don't use advertisers. It's patrons who keep the show going. And I'm ever so grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. You really make me happy. Um, If you enjoy today's show, which I know you're going to, this is one of my favorite shows. Just take a look at some of the other people I've talked to on the front of the Patreon page of my of Start Me Up. So it's patreon.com slash start me up. You can look at all the different people I've interviewed, lots of political people, some actors. I do two free shows a week, and then that's Monday and Wednesday. And then I do patrons only shows twice a month, usually with Steph Walton. She's my podcast partner. Sometimes I do them solo. They're usually a little bit more personal than the the free shows, although they're usually also always about politics. Politics always come up because we're political animals here. <laughs> and then take a look while you're there at patreon.com slash start me up. Take a look at the different tiers I offer. Some people like to start with like, say, two bucks a month. You can do that. And if you want to upgrade it later to five dollars, you can do that. So like I said, we do the two patrons only shows per month along with the two free shows. If you sign up for four dollars or less, you get all the free shows delivered to your email box as well as one free or uh, one patrons only show. And then if you do $5 or more per month, if you sign up for that tier, you get everything. You get all the free shows and you get the two patrons only shows. But you don't have to stick to my tiers. You can choose any dollar amount. If you go on like whatever tier, the $2 tier or the $5 tier or whatever it is, you can change the dollar amount to to reflect whatever it is you would like to, you know, put toward the show every month. So you could do $25 or $60 or $73.87. (laughs) You know, whatever you want to do, you can do that. Uh, Just visit, again, patreon.com slash start me up. And then also, you can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in my Patreon description. I always include my email, so you can do a a one-time thing through PayPal. And then you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just please stop by the Apple. It's like, you know, iTunes is the app and then it's the Apple podcast. Just become a subscriber. That's free. While you're there, give me a rating. Thank you so much for everybody who's been doing this. Thank you. I beg you every show and you've been doing it. And then also, if you could give me a review, I would love it. You don't have to make a long review. Just a real quick, hey, I really like this show. Whatever it is, those those ratings and the reviews make such a difference. You don't even know. So that's it. I am so excited, you guys. This is such a good show. Please enjoy my interview with Noel Kasler. Welcome to the show, Noel. Thank you, Kimberly. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm really excited. I mean, I'm sure you get this from everyone who interviews you, but I am so excited to talk to you because you've got some inside dirt. 
on the Trump family. And I know you've been spilling it around and I'm glad that you do because it's really important. But um, before we get into everything, I just want to like, I, I, you know, I know a lot of people know your story, but you were a staffer at the Celebrity Apprentice. Um, so just real briefly, how did you get that gig and what did you do? Well, I was like a talent wrangler. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I work in live television for 25 years, and I work in the talent department. That means we deal with all the logistics. You know, when you're watching an award show and you see somebody sitting in the audience, and then, you know, a half an hour later you see them giving out an award, that's called a talent pull. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of movements behind the scene and the scenes in live television, making sure, you know, the talent gets from their dressing rooms onto set, dealing with their management, dealing with all their issues. Issues. There's a whole world of people that sort of deal with all of that stuff. They go from show to show. It's a very small world, and I was in that world. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine was the talent executive for a celebrity apprentice, and she needed some really experienced people to come in and do it. And I did it as a lark. You know, mm -hmm. that was sort of beneath me. You know, I usually <laughs> do the Tony Awards and Super Bowl and the Grammys and, you know, yeah. pretty A-list, high-functioning shows. And I had actually watched that show. You know, it was a guilty pleasure on Sunday <laughs> night. And, you know, I wanted to see if Amarosa was a real person. Right. So she was like, come on down. There's going to be a crazy after party. We shot the first season at SNL, um, you know, in, in 8-H at, right. you know, at Rockefeller Center. And she's like, there'll be a party down on the ice rink after, so come and help me out. You know, wow. she had sort of gotten the gig and called in some favors. Uh, I'd known Trump before. I did the pageants in the 90s, you know, mm -hmm. and I grew up in New York, so I knew who he was. He was a clown, you know, so we were yeah. just going to watch the clown show. And then, <laughs> as as I've said, it got crazier, <laughs> you yeah. know, once you got there. And I did it for like six seasons, and wow. by the last three seasons, I was taking care of Ivanka e exclusively. And that was... Uh, wow. That dovetailed exactly. And, and just, you know, I'll, I'll shut up with this, but... <laughs> kind of my main role in live television is I always dealt with the difficult talent or the hosts, okay. you know, or the people that the producers were kind of worried about because I do have a diplomatic side <laughs> that doesn't come out on Twitter because the gloves are off. But, you know, right, yeah. in a professional sense, you know, I was pretty good at handling you know, tough people. And she was the toughest person on that gig easily. Well, def I'm definitely going to be asking you about her, but I'm going to uh, save that for a while. I've got other things that are just uh, I, so many questions for you. So many. Um, okay. So you had to sign an NDA. Now, are you just ignoring the NDA? Yeah. And then are you afraid of getting sued? No. I didn't, it doesn't seem like you are, since you're just like telling everybody <laughs> everything. <laughs> and, it's beyond all that. We're t there's right. nothing on the other side of this. You know, in 2016, everybody was scared because yeah. Mark Burnett threatened to sue everybody who walked on the show or worked on the show and spoke out. I'm not the only one who, who knows this stuff, you yeah. know. And previous to the election, guys who worked on the show were talking about it on Facebook. You know, mm -hmm. there was ADs who sat in the TV truck who would discuss, you know, misogynistic things that he would come in and say. He would come in and be like, get a close-up on her tits, wow. you know, and point at the Ugh. monitor and, like, tell the, you know, tell the, try to tell the cameramen, like, who he thought was hot and they should zoom in on. Like, he was a pig, and this yeah. was openly discussed. But when Mark Burnett threatened to sue everybody, you know, these people are in a union. They're in DGA. Yes. They got kids in college. They got homes. You know, they're working in a very competitive field that it's hard to get gigs in, and mm -hmm. everybody's freelance in, in live television. Yeah. So nobody wanted to get painted with the brush of, like, this person's trouble. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't care. I'd been doing it 25 years. I was kind of sick of it, to be honest. I'd already toured with, you know, I toured with rock bands. Like it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't need it. And I recognized that if this guy won, there was nothing on the other side of it anyway. Mm. And I tried to tell my colleagues, I'm like, you think you're going to be working if this guy's president, he's going to destroy the country. And unfortunately I was right because nobody's worked in my industry in the last six months. The whole world's shut down and it's not, it's not coming back for like another year Mm -hmm. at least, you know? It's unreal. Um, Well, I asked on my Facebook page, I said, you know, does anyone have any specific questions for you? One person asked, and I thought this was a good one, has Trump's mental decline, has there been a mental decline since The Apprentice? Um, Not so much. I mean, obviously the pressures of the gig and having to show up every day and be accountable, even though that's, you know, you can put a you can put an asterisk next to that since it's Trump and he doesn't show up until noon, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the Oval Office and right. stuff. But I think, you know, back in the Apprentice days, he would barely ever show up. They would cancel a lot of shooting really? days. You know, they'd maybe get an hour out of him. Interesting. So so he's he's not. Oh, yeah. You can no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, go let ahead. me just finish. Let me finish that answer. Yeah. So he's not used to being as accountable as he has to be, just mm. the schedule of being president even though his schedule as we know most days doesn't have anything on it you know yeah. or it'll have things <laughs> like the president has lunch with the vice president like i don't think he ever has lunch with Pence. <laughs> i just think they put that on there to make it look like he's yeah. got something to do and we all know he's watching fox news yeah his decline in my opinion is is drug induced like yes. he was that you know i know he's an active drug user and mm-hmm. he was that out of it back then people just didn't see it because they would edit the show to make it look like he was competent and Mm -hmm. could speak in full sentences he never could so the guy we see now is the guy i saw then Hmm. i definitely want to ask you about the drugs and ivanka but i'm first going to ask you this and it kind of um goes along with the mark burnett situation but uh recently um here there was a there's an article by the daily beast and uh, Molly Jung fast wrote it. And in the tweet, it said, if Trump can get away with installing himself as the American Vladimir Putin, he will. And then you quote tweeted that and said, this was the deal from the beginning. Putin said, we will destroy U.S. democracy, but you and your family will get to be in charge and steal the money. Jared and the rest went along in the hopes of being the new oligarchs, accomplices, and then it includes Ron Johnson, Nunes, and etc. But so now I'm just curious because obviously there's there's the bar- Mark Barnett. And I want to ask about that because, I mean, everybody talks about the N-word and that there might be. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Burnett is supposedly associated somehow with Putin. Um, I don't know too much about that, but, I, you know, I've heard uh, Tom Arnold talk about that and, and that he has all kinds of information that he's refusing to release. So I'm wondering how you came to that. Like, do you have any inside information or is this something that you're... Um, you're what just because like, we've all witnessed this and this is your conclusion. Well, here's the deal. And first of all, um, Molly's an old friend of mine. I've known Molly since before there was Twitter. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. uh, we, we live in the same part of New York city and yeah. she's a friend of mine, just full disclosure, right. you know, since I was retweeting her and she does excellent work and we've yes. talked about Trump a lot, you know, privately in the past. So she, and she grew up in New York too. So mm-hmm. she knows who he yeah. is. In terms of Burnett, he went to Putin first. He went to Russia first before he did The Apprentice, and he wanted to do a show on a Russian oligarch related to the Mir space station. Hmm. So he went over there with the idea, and they said, no, you want to do a show on our guy Trump back in New York. So it was the Russians and Putin's associates 
that first put Burnett in charge, you know, on, on Trump's case, so to speak. Yeah. And Patrick, I forget his last name, did a great piece in The New Yorker a few years ago. So you guys, you know, your, your listeners can look this up for mm-hmm. themselves. But that, that's all fact, you know, okay. that it was Putin and Russians that told them to go to Trump. Okay, and that was to sort of rehab Trump's image. You know, mm-hmm. Trump had already been aligned with the Russians for a long time. He yeah. sells a lot of condos to Russians in Trump Tower. He's, you know, basically cleaning their money for yes. them. You know, you, they buy a condo. He doesn't ask where the money comes from. Then they can resell that condo, and that mm-hmm. money's now clean in U.S. You know, mm-hmm. currency. So, and Tom Arnold, by the way, knows a lot more about Burnett than I do, and he's gotten in fights with him at the Emmys, and he's, <laughs> yeah. very, he's very entertaining. He's a friend of mine as well. <laughs> but so, and Mark Burnett is his own character. I mean, he came, he, he was a special forces, you know, British operative who was on his way to South America to be like a mercenary in the jungles, hmm. you know, and he got off a plane in L.A. and was like, hey, I kind of like it here, <laughs> and became a, a, a manny. You know, in Malibu, a male wow, man, <laughs> and then got into live television and, you know, hit the jackpot with Survivor. Yeah. And he's got a tremendous influence over Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump follows 47 people on Twitter. You know, two of them are Mark and his wife. Hmm. So and Mark knew when he showed up to start taping the first season of Apprentice. I did Celebrity Apprentice. A lot of my friends did The Apprentice mm-hmm. that started in like 2003 or four. Like when they showed up to start filming that they had to rent furniture to make Trump look rich because the the furniture in, in his office in the Trump org was like this ratty old furniture. Mm-hmm. Like people don't realize it wasn't like a big multinational corporation. It was like a small family real estate business. Hmm. You know, there's like 10 people that work in that mm-hmm. office. So they show up to like do this show on this billionaire businessman and realize he's, you know, he's not what he seems. And Mark helps create this image. You know, a reality yeah. show producer could have gone in two directions because you show up and you see the guy's clearly not competent. He walks, you know, what he does every day at the office would be like looking through tabloids for mentions of his own name. <sighs> you know, like that's what he did. Yeah. He wasn't involved in deals or anything. He's just like, where am I in page six today? How come <laughs> they're not talking about me and hot models? You know, and right. then he'd walk around the lobby of Trump Tower and hit on high school girls that were <sighs> stopping in on field trips and stuff. He's like a doddering, narcissistic, like, predator, basically. Yeah. And he's racist, openly racist. I know you want to get into that later. But so Mark obviously saw all this at the beginning. Yeah. You know, and I can give you some specific examples. Yeah. A lot of TV producers would have said, this is gold in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, like, that this guy has no filter. I'm just going to film all this and show it to people, mm-hmm. and that will be a big hit, you know? Yeah. Because people will want to see, like, the takedown of this myth this sort of guy who was somewhat of a New York area myth, you know, and uh, he didn't go in that direction. He made him look competent. Mm -hmm. You know, he made him look like the person who, you know, half, you know, a third of America or whatever it is actually believes is a billionaire Mm -hmm. and actually believes has business acumen and all this stuff. So, Mark created Putin, I mean, created uh, (laughs) Freudian flip, you know, created Trump in many ways. And I do believe my statement. Um, like, for example, in 2010, we would have the after parties at Trump Tower in Soho. You mm-hmm. know, it's before it folded. He had this tower that there was a lot of lawsuits. They misrepresented a lot of things involved with it. But they had this tower in Soho. It actually wasn't even in Soho, mm-hmm. another one of Trump's <laughs> lies. It was, like, farther up. Of course. Yeah, in the East Village, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
the after party was like all Russians. You know, the audience, the invited audience would all be these sort of Russian mob types with their wives wearing furs in like May. You know, so and they'd gross. come to this thing and they'd go to the after party and Felix Sater worked for the Trump mm-hmm. org at that time. And he would work the room with Jared and Ivanka. And I would see him like making introductions to all these Russians, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a jobs fair, you know, and we already know about, you know, Kushner was sort of and Paul Manafort where the dudes like are setting up the direct lines in 16 mm-hmm. with the Russians, you know, and helping filter this disinformation. They were giving them campaign info, mm-hmm. telling them who to target and all these swing states, you know, which they did an effective job of targeting. And so I think, you know, the idea was like, hey, this is really going to be bad for democracy. You know, we're rigging an election, but it's like you're going to win. You'll be in charge. You'll get all the money and you can sort of divide it up amongst your family. And I believe that's what they're looking for is like some feudal system. You know, I think like Trump wants Ivanka's face on money someday. You know what I mean? And so does she. And I know you want to get into her later, but she runs that thing. Her and Jared. Trump wants music to play when he walks in the room. He wants to get high and he wants to hit on women. You know, he doesn't think beyond what can sort of please his personality in that moment. He's not looking at the long game. You know, but Jared is, Ivanka hmm. is, you know, the people in the shadows around them are, you know, so. No. That, yeah, I, so de- I believe I, in what I said. Anyway. Yes. And I think, I mean, I, I want to talk to her about her a lot, but I, um, I first want to get into, because I saw that you, I don't know, it was some interview you were talking about the fact that he crushes up Adderall and sniffs it and that's his maintenance drug. And then, so I wanted to ask you about number one. So he's got his maintenance drug and then he's got whatever drug he takes. Is there a separate drug that you know of that he's taking so he can appear somber? And then there's talk of cocaine and then there's the Sudafed thing. So what's, what's the deal with his drug taking? <laughs> it's a lot, right? Well, he's been a cokehead for, since the eighties. That's, you don't have to dig deep in New York to find people who've done coke with him. He yeah. showed up at a VH1 show and did a bunch of lines in the back of the limo with models once. So coke and meth is like his party time drug, wow. you know, and he would have people come to the after parties, bring in that stuff. Like it's a lot crazier than people think. Huh. Adderall is his maintenance high. He uh-huh. can't read. He's dyslexic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like sort of been dyslexic since he's a little kid. I think his parents probably shamed him about yeah. it. There's no shame in it. But in the Trump clan, right. it probably was seen as a shameful thing. That's why they hid his, mm-hmm. you know, his school grades his whole life and stuff. He, I think he got probably made fun of, you know, early on, especially by young girls, which mm-hmm. I think is part of his rage towards young women mm-hmm. and women in general. So, you know, he hides that, but he can't read. And that was evident on these tapings. You know, he'd have a word like arbitrage, a three-syllable word that a businessman should certainly know and be mm-hmm. familiar with. And he would point at the word and scream because everything's on cue cards. You're setting me up. They're setting me up because he couldn't say it. Wow. And he'd storm off set, crush Adderall, you know, snort it. Keith Schiller would stand outside the door. He'd come out. There'd be powder under his nose. Wow. Chunks would fly out of Ugh. his nostrils. Just like you see now. Yes, I mean, it happened yes. last week. I don't know if you saw that. I saw but that. Like, that would happen all the time on The Apprentice. So, you know, that was his maintenance thing. I think it makes it him feel in control mm-hmm. when he has to read. If you watch him reading, he's reading with his finger. You know what I mean? He's following mm-hmm. with his finger, and he's not thinking about what he's saying. He's not pausing. There's mm-hmm. no emphasis. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get through 
the phonetic act of reading. And that's also why what we would do on The Apprentice and what they do now is they'll spell out a lot of things phonetically. You know, so like oh, Minneapolis wow. is Minneapolis. Right. Oh, you know, that's Industry is in dash dust dash tree. Interesting. That's so that's I, why he never gets those words right because he's reading them as they're phonetically spelled yeah. out. You know, there's other Yosemite, there's all these yes, other right, examples. Right, right, yeah. Yosemite, you know, like, because they know <laughs> wow. he can't handle a three-syllable word. Somehow yeah. those three-syllable... And also when he writes, sometimes he'll do chalking or smoking gun. Mm-hmm. Somehow that double oh, O yeah. combination or OK really screws him up. Yeah. Huh. And he'll throw in a C. Like, you can see the ticks, yes. for lack of a better term, in his written communication as oh. well. So... So Adderall was his maintenance high. Mm-hmm. The other stuff is party time. That's mm-hmm. why I tell people, like, when he's off at, you know, Mar-a-Lago for the weekend, you know, or he went to New York City for the weekend a couple years ago, and that's when he ended up in the hospital two weeks later. You know, he went to a UFC fight at, mm-hmm. at the Garden and saw some of his old buddies, the same old buddies that would come around to apprentice after parties, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. the same people that are known to kind of, bring party goods, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. <laughs> That's when he goes off. You know, yeah. like in Vegas the other night, he was tweeting at like 6 in the morning. Yeah. You know, he was pulling an old all-nighter. He's staying in a hotel he owns in Vegas. You know, and, and I'll shut up with this, but that's why when he became president, the first thing he did was send Keith Schiller and two other bodyguards or one other bodyguard to Dr. Bornstein's office. Harold Bornstein is a sort of a doctor feel-good on mm-hmm. the Upper East Side. He writes scripts. Mm-hmm. He's been sued by women who, you know, families of women who died on Park Avenue because he overprescribed opioids and wow. stuff. Like, he's a gastroenterologist mm-hmm. that you can go get a script from. He Trump made him his primary physician in the 80s. The guy's a gastroenterologist. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen his picture. He looked yes. like he was like a roadie for the Doobie Brothers or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're just like, you're not looking at that guy and being like, oh, I'm trusting him with my health care, right, exactly. you know? <laughs> but, oh, my uh, God. So Trump, the first thing he does when he's president is they go to that guy's office, push him aside, and take all the medical records. And I believe I've heard recently that uh, Alan Gartner, somebody was there too. Like hmm. one of the Trump lawyers went in there, yeah. into the office. But you know, they basically took that, and that's your proof. Mm-hmm. You know, that's his fifteen years of Adderall mm-hmm. scripts, and it was diet pills before Adderall came around. Adderall, I think, was invented in the early '90s. But you know, he was doing speed before that. You know, anything to sort of make him feel in control. He he drinks too. Is the other thing like? It became accepted like he doesn't even drink. That's his own myth. That's a Trump self-perpetuated really? myth. Yeah, he would get bottle service at nightclubs downtown. I know people have served him. Uh-huh. Like That's just his own BS, but it gets repeated and becomes fact. Huh. I will say he's not a drinker. Mm-hmm. You know, the addiction runs in his family. Mm-hmm. His kids have struggled with it. Two of his brothers died of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So he's smart enough and self-aware enough to know that that's sort of deadly in his yeah. in his system and prefers speed and stuff because yeah. it makes him feel in control, you know? That's so weird. Um, so I read in an interview with Greg Oliar, who, by the way, has also been on the show. I love Greg, um, that you don't buy the dementia thing. So I want you to explain that. But then you also said dementia can be used later on. So you don't buy it. And how can it be used later on? 
I don't buy it. Um, I'm not saying, I mean, his brain is addled. You know, I'm not saying yeah. his, he's, he's the picture of organic brain health. The guy's been eating nothing but <laughs> fat and sugar for yeah. his entire life, you know, and drinking Diet Coke and snorting blow and every other, any, anything else he can crush. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say his brain is healthy. Right. I don't buy the dementia thing, uh, and I'll give you a couple examples. If you listen to the Lev Parnas tapes or you listen to the Woodward tapes, mm-hmm that just came out, mm-hmm. he knows exactly yes, what he's doing. he does. He's a lot more lucid behind the scenes than he is in these public functions. Mm-hmm. Like I told you, he's really bad at speaking publicly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's doing extra drugs when he has to read stuff, you know, so he's coming out yeah. and sort of tripping over himself and looking sort of addled. And he is. His mm-hmm. brain is not healthy, but it's not this... This dementia thing started on Twitter. You know, there was mm-hmm. counts in Chicago or stuff that didn't know him, never met him, but are like, he's got dementia. I see all these signs. Mm-hmm. And then people started, like, repeating it, you yeah. know, which I felt was dangerous. Like, everybody thought all of a sudden they were an expert on dementia, yes. you know. And I'm like – and the, I saw that that account blocked me because I pointed it out once. Mm-hmm. I didn't go after him. I just pointed out, like, I don't trust this, you know, because the guy was like – hey, his handlers are going to start showing him less and less. You know, they're going to keep him in the background because he's debilitated so much and they're hiding his dementia. That's clearly not the case. Trump is in front of the cameras every single day, you know, and you're not handling that guy. If he had dementia, he would be easy to handle. You know, Reagan had it probably his whole second term. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not going to. And even if he has dementia, what's the point? They're not going to take him out of office for dementia. It'd be their dream come true because they could (laughs) – you know, and probably half the dudes in like D.C. at this point have, you know, over 70 have signs of dementia. Yeah. I mean, it, unfortunately, it's a real thing that I'm not making light of, but I don't buy it in his case. And I don't trust those accounts that they aren't sort of a plant to give him an excuse someday because mm, uh, okay. he is that kind of guy who if when this all goes south and mm-hmm. he doesn't get reelected and he's charged in six different jurisdictions for a bunch of crimes, he's the first guy to be like, hey, I have dementia. I didn't even know what I was doing yeah. when I said that. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. here's the doctors to prove it. Mm-hmm. So it mm. just, it makes me, and it's also like, even if he does, like, to, in my opinion, and you're not going to prove the drug addiction either, I don't think. You mm-hmm. can you can take my anecdotal evidence and you can look at what you see with your own eyes. And I'm only trying to tell you about the addiction, not so much as about the substances. They're mm-hmm. just a symptom what you see in the personality of an active uh, addict is like self-centered fear and resentment mm-hmm. and paranoia and only thinking about themselves and rage and all these things that we call character defects in recovery, mm-hmm. you know? And they just make you completely unmanageable and they make your life unmanageable and they make it impossible to have real relationships and to really care about anything other than yourself. And I think we see that in Trump yeah. every day. Yeah, you know, absolutely. he's only thinking and talking about himself. At the same time, our country is literally dying. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the most unemployed people we've ever had in the United States at this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, we have 200,000 people have already died in six months. Like, that's staggeringly dangerous. Yeah. So that's why I pointed out, and the dementia, it's like, What's the end game on that? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying he's healthy. It just, and I do believe he probably had a stroke or something and right. went to Walter Reed. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's not going to give you his medical records, you know? No. So you're not going to ever find that out, and it can only kind of help him. And it, it also, the main thing is it gives him an excuse when he doesn't need an excuse. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Lev Parnas tapes, 
when they were talking about Ambassador uh, Yovanovitch, I mm-hmm. believe is her name, Marie Yovanovitch. Yes. And they pulled her out, and he heard that she was, like, getting in the way of, like, them getting dirt on Biden or attempting to smear Biden. Mm-hmm. He goes, take her out. Take mm-hmm. her out right yeah. now. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not a guy with dementia. Right. That's a guy who knows exactly where he is, exactly what he needs to do to serve his needs and keep himself in power. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed that he never seems to make any kind of mistake where Putin is concerned. You know, he's always doing what Putin wants him to do. And he performs exactly the way that Putin wants him to perform. He never messes up there. And so, I, you know, I've, I've often wondered, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I've not known about the dementia and what you, I totally agree with what you're saying as far as, yeah, his brain is probably not great. But um, yeah, you listen to him on those tapes and he sounds much more clear. So that makes a lot of sense. And the next thing I want to talk about, and I know it's gross, but is the incontinence thing. Because you have said that he, well, exp- why don't you explain it instead of me trying to, <laughs> <laughs> you explain it. What do you know? <laughs> uh, and that's the worst part, too. I know, like, I hate gross. having to even talk about this. And I talk about because that's a symptom of his drug addiction. Yeah. He's incontinent from all the speed and cocaine. You know, yeah. coke is a laxative. Like, it has its cut with laxative. You know, um, if you use a lot of stimulants, they're diuretics. Mm-hmm. You know, they make water go through your bowels quicker, you mm-hmm. know, for lack of it gets gross. He only eats fast food, too. Like, yes. he eats meatloaf for dinner, fast food, you know, a couple times a day. So he's got a horrible diet, mm-hmm. and he's got a drug, you know, addiction. So that makes him profoundly incontinent. Mm-hmm. So he wears adult diapers, and he'll, 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 this gets real gross, but he, there's tapes of him in front of, um, Fein, Diane Feinstein, Senator Feinstein, mm-hmm. and there's tapes of him in the Oval Office with Erdogan that mm-hmm. your listeners can look up, where he clearly was flatulent. Yes, you know, you I see, the, you yeah. hear it on the tape, and you see them react to it. <laughs> yes. Literally, wow, I mean, it's disgusting so to think about, but he truly does it, right? Yes. So he would do that on set, but a lot of the times it wouldn't be just flatulence. He would soil himself, and Ugh. he would do it loudly. <gasps> and the crew would be, they nicknamed it the shit show. I don't oh. know if I should curse. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Was, <laughs> it, it's the S show or something. Sorry no, the to curse. The shit show. You know? No, I, I do it all the time. I'm very profane. Okay. <laughs> so that was, the, you know, that was the thing. They called it the shit show because wow. they'd have to stop down a taping. They'd have to bring him off set. His boy Keith Schiller would stand outside the door, you know, and they would change his pants out. You know, somebody would wipe him down. Ew. Literally. So, like, he didn't even clean himself? Somebody else did it? There was somebody to help him get out of his pants and all that because he wears a girdle. He's got a girdle, like a plastic girdle around his midsection, and he wears lifts and things like that. He can't walk well is the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like. He would ask for golf carts to go 40 feet. Hmm. You know, he's not a, he, he doesn't, he's not somebody who gets around well. And he's sort of like this Frankenstein character of like, you know, vanity. Yeah. The, um, implements, you know, it's hard to walk in. You've seen his Cuban heels. Like I think yes. there was a picture recently yes. where he was touring, you know, Milwaukee or Kenosha or something. And they showed his big big heels and he has lifts inside those heels you know and then he's got a girdle on so he's just you know he's a mess that's why he's always kind of turning from side to side and if you see Mm -hmm. him at a podium from a side shot he's bent over you know like a minotaur Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. centaur or something he bends at the waist because it's not he doesn't have freedom of movement 
That's just so weird. So, you know, there's been some talk about his, this is nothing, but it's because he lies all the time and nobody knows the truth about anything, but his height, I mean, do you put him at what, you know, he says he is six, two, six, three. No, he's like six, six, one, you know? Yeah. I'm short myself, you know, I'm five, seven. mm -hmm. And so everybody's kind of tall to me, but he's not as tall as he pretends to be. And what's weird to me is like, if I was six, one or between six and six, one, I would take that. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have to cheat for another three or four inches, you know, like I'm five, seven, you yeah. know, and I don't mind. I'm healthy and I'm happy and, you know, I yeah. don't mind being short, but, uh, it's funny cause it's like, you're already six, but that's how he is. Yeah. You know, it's gotta be everything to just lie. You know, people say of him, like he would, if you asked him what time it was, he would lie to you just for right. the practice. Just to lie. You know, yeah. it's a compulsion where he just cannot be honest about anything. Mm-hmm. Even his hair. Most guys would like, just go bald. Yeah. You know, like you're bald. So what? Most guys get bald. You know, nobody cares. You know, you're rich. You know, what do you care? I you think, know? I think I was reading, it might've been in Michael Cohen's book, but it kind of backs up that rumor about Ivana saying that he raped her because I guess her plastic surgeon screwed his head up. And so maybe, you know, I I read that there might be scarring on the top of his head and maybe that's why he's not wanting to be bald. I don't know, but I I wish I could remember. That's what happened. Yeah. I mean, he got a, he got a scalp reduction. So they lifted his scalp to sort of change his hairline Mm -hmm. and that left a big scar on his forehead. So he came home and and it was her plastic surgeon who did the work. Mm -hmm. So he said, you ruined my life. Yeah. Because he, he thought he was going to look like a freak, so he ripped out a chunk of her hair and then forced himself on her. And that's why, you know, Don Jr. didn't talk to him for years. Mm-hmm. His son hated him, you know. And uh, and she testified to yes. this in court, you know. Yeah. And then when she got her settlement, she had to rescind it or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. But it's not something you would generally make up. It's no. a pretty specific claim that fits with his personality. And I do know that... You know, people think he wears a wig. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's his hair. Yeah. It, it just goes around the side. Yeah. You know, he's got like pattern baldness. So right. he's bald on top. So the hair on the side, he's grown out like a foot and a half. Mm-hmm. If you ever remember that movie, um, what was that movie that everybody, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> remember that bald guy, but he yes. had long hair on the side yes. and stuff? Mm-hmm. That's right. what Trump looks like when he gets out of the shower. Wow. So... Like, and I, I haven't seen him out of the shower. I've seen him kind of putting the hair on. You know, uh-huh. I've seen it, like, lift up and stuff. Yeah. It's, a, it's an hour-long process that he does himself. Really? Wow. Yeah, we're, and Ivana, Ivanka, rather, describes it. She described it once in an article. But So he gets out of the shower, which he doesn't shower often, and because uh, he, he smells really bad, too. Really? He, like, doesn't brush his teeth. Ew. As I said, he eats McDonald's. Yeah. And if you ever look at people, like, in close proximity to them, if he turns and talks to them, You'll see them kind of recoil hmm. or turn away a little bit. He's he's a kind of a gross person. Yeah. Um, but so he showers and then he has to like he lifts that up on top of his head and like shellacks it basically. Mm-hmm. You know, uses cans of like heavy duty hairspray and he, he shapes it into this thing, which is just 
crazy. Like, if the guy showed up to babysit your kids or was like, hi, I'm the scout leader, you'd be like, no, no, dude. <laughs> you know? It ain't happening, bro. Like, oh if God. you, you know, that's what always perplexes me is just like, look at the guy. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, if he was your airline pilot, you'd be like, oh, <laughs> hell no. I'm catching yeah, the next your, flight. Yeah, your brain surgeon. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, no, dude. You know? Oh, my God. And he's president. Like, yes. the con is unbelievable. Uh-huh. And back to my earlier point, that shows you the Russians are involved. Uh-huh. You know, it just didn't just happen. Like, there's, he's an idiot. He's a fool, but he's yeah. a Trojan horse. Right. You know, there's people that aren't fools that have been doing this for 30, 40 years mm-hmm. behind him. Yeah. You know? Yes. There's a reason Paul Manafort got sprung, sprung out of jail. Yeah. You know, Manafort's back, back in the game. You know, he's helping him right now. <sighs> All right. So let me ask you, I'm curious about Melania. I've haven't read the whole thing. I've read a little bit of that Melania and me book uh, by her friend. And at first I was curious about Melania because I didn't know if, you know, as her friend wrote, there was speculation that she was either a victim or a villain. And I, I wondered if she was a victim. And from what I've been able to, you know, decipher from what I've read now, I don't believe that she was a victim or hostage, I should say, not a victim, a hostage. I don't believe she's a hostage. But, you know, what what did you witness? And it, it seems to me, I mean, clearly it was a transactional relationship. But did you, you know, there there ha- have been, at least with Stephanie, I can't remember her last name, but her best Walk friend. Well, yes. She wrote that Melania has this calming effect on people that it's not just Donald, but definitely Donald. Uh, when he gets all red faced and crazy, he just looks over at her and he calms down that Melania had this kind of calming thing with everybody and that, you know, she understood who she married and she just doesn't care. So, I mean, what, what do you make of from, from what you've seen, what do you make of her? I don't think, I didn't see any of that calming stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they hate each other from what I saw. That, that's what it looks like him. to me. Yeah. Yeah. And she would come from like a different location when the cars picked them up. Like she would only show up for the finales. They would barely look at each other. Yeah. You know, they'd have to walk down in front of the step and repeat for, you know, the, the photos before mm-hmm. the, before the event, you know, before the finale started and stuff. But she clearly couldn't stand him. Hmm. Um, in my opinion, and I'd heard they were splitting up before, right. you know, before I heard the same, he came to DC and she got a boyfriend, this guy, Hank, and, you yes. know, and I don't think any of that was a secret. I don't think he cared at all. Yeah. You know, it was definitely transactional in terms of that. She may have been a victim early on cause you know, she was basically comes from Slovenia and where it was a sex worker as mm-hmm. far as I can tell, you yeah. know, like she, there's no comp card on her modeling career. Yes. Right. You know? So all of a sudden she's in New York City mm-hmm. hanging out in clubs and doing all this stuff, but there's no comp card. That's like I was an actor, but there's no headshots from yeah. my time as an actor. Like it doesn't happen. Everybody has a comp card. Yeah. You know, let alone that she was a supermodel, quote unquote. Exactly. Like, yeah, you know, that's that's like, yeah, I was a movie star before I became a talent wrangler. Like it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't equate. So she was in that world, you know. I forget the guy who introduced them, but one of the people in sort of the Epstein, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Julian or Casablancas, John Casablancas. There's a specific person whose name is escaping me, but like one of the nefarious characters in all this that was in the model slash human trafficking world introduced them 
Trump was obsessed with an Italian actress. Yes. And you can Google Carla this, Bruni. right? And right, she's yeah. like a doppelganger for yes. that woman that he threw himself after for years, and she would have nothing to yeah, do with him. Yeah, I heard that. Right? So she was basically a stand-in, mm-hmm. you know, for an Italian chick that he wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. bang, for lack of a better word. And then he was also had a job opening, you know? He needed a wife at events mm-hmm. and stuff. Which is funny, because I guarantee you they use a fake Melania on photo shoots. And mm-hmm. I've had people that work, that are very close with White House photographers confirm that to yeah. me. And and that's something you do in live television. Like, mm-hmm. you don't always get the principal talent for a shoot, mm-hmm. you know? So when they're shooting essentially B-roll for the White House, which is like they're going to Arlington Cemetery mm-hmm. and standing in front of a grave, you know, to take a picture, Melania's like, nah, that's not in my contract, yeah. you know? I'm out here in Potomac. Like, I, I'm not coming in and getting right. all 10 hours of makeup to stand there for five minutes. So they send out this other girl who's clearly shorter, clearly has a different chin, has, you know, sunglasses and stuff. So, and I believe that 100%. Like, it's not the hill I'm trying to die on, because mm-hmm. who cares? And my friend who talked to the White House ph- photographer for a major newspaper said, you know, why aren't you guys, like, making a bigger deal? And they're like, there's so much mendacity coming out of the White House. Like, who even cares at mm-hmm. this point? Yeah. Been a fake Melania in a couple shots. But you can see it. There's one time where on video they were coming out of the White House and she walks out in front of him and smiles and grabs his hand. Like, that ain't Melania. Right. <laughs> you know, she never, you've seen her push, push his away. hand yeah. away, you know? You know, that's interesting, though, what you just brought up about the Epstein, because basically I had this. I, I wondered I, I, a theory, not that I bought into the theory so much, but just like, what if this happened? What if he purchased Melania and you bring up this human sex trafficking and, and the fact that, yeah, she didn't have any Z cards or anything like that, which every model has. They have tons of them. And I, I know that Quinn Cummings, who is an actress, did this whole Twitter thread on the fact that Melania had no, there is no Z cards where every other model has like, I don't know. 150 of them at least you know because every new photo shoot you get a new z card which is three different pictures like there's an action shot or a body shot or a headshot and so it just it just like i've always wondered like what if what if melania kind of was this woman who was purchased by donald trump and i don't even know that she was purchased but somehow exchanged or somehow epstein had something to do with it and everybody hates on her and it's like the it's like the biggest, most awful, patriarchal, misogynist uh, feeling we have for this woman who maybe at that one time was kind of like a victim, was somebody who was um, bought and sold. But I mean, I, I honestly don't know because they're, you know, and, and, and then I get whenever I've said anything like that online, I get smacked down so quickly because she's a birther. And it's like, well, first of all, the way that I see Donald Trump, and maybe you can clear this up and tell me I'm wrong, but. He just seems like kind of like a, a, a wannabe mobster or a mobster who hang or somebody who, who hangs out with mobsters and just wants to, you know, I mean, just because he hangs out with him kind of makes him one. He's not Tony Soprano or, you know, he's he's not the godfather or anything like that, but he is somebody who runs in that crowd. And so I had an experience as a younger woman where I actually met a real mobster and he, it was just for my work, and he was a potential client, and I figured out who he was, so I stopped going to him. And he kept calling me, and fortunately, I had a business phone. But a friend of mine said that she knew a woman who got involved with some dude in the mob, and she's like, you know, once you get involved, 
you are in for life. And it just like goes back to the Adrian story on the Sopranos where she knew too much and they took her out in the woods and killed her. So I, you know, I thought with Melania, like, is she a birther because she's genuinely a birther or is she a birther because Trump told her to go on television and say all this shit? And, you know, because people said, well, she's a birther. Does she really believe it? Or does she just say that because she's supposed to say it to fulfill whatever duty she has as Trump's wife? That's a good point. Um, I don't, I think, you know, it's like her jacket. I really don't care, mm-hmm. do you? I think she has the same sort of narcissism as yeah. Trump. You know, you've seen all the pictures of her laying yeah. on top of the gold piano yes. and all this crazy stuff. So I think she was like, you know, the things that are going to matter to me in life are wealth and power. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows that the Einstein, Einstein visa was all BS. Mm-hmm. She doesn't speak five languages. You know, she can barely speak English, English properly, yes. and she's been here 25 years, you know, or whatever, right. 30 years. Like, think about that. Like, she knows she's going to be first lady, and yes. she doesn't take, like, a couple of elocution classes. Mm-hmm. You know, within six months, I went to drama school. There's a book called Speak with Distinction, you mm-hmm. know, where you just learn how to sort of get these, like, soft vowels and stuff. She didn't even bother to do that because she speaks Slovenian at mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. you know, like with her parents, you know, who also got brought over here under, you know, weird immigration yeah. circumstances. So he has that alone over her, mm-hmm. you know, her visa and her citizenship. So she is the type of sort of person who is not going to feel empathy or sympathy towards other immigrants that her husband yeah. is now, you know murdering essentially right, you know exactly. or locking up in cages or whatever you want to do so she is in on that i don't think like i think she's more like guilty by like omission than mm-hmm. like you know waking up in the morning like stephen miller or you know have being a generational racist like trump mm-hmm. though where she comes from is slovenia i mean those they have their own sort of mm-hmm. like you know, sort of white supremacist, like long histories with that sort of thing, you know? So I think she was amenable to, to the circumstance. And, um, in terms of Trump being a mobster, like he's definitely a mobster, you Mm -hmm. know, his dad, like his dad's buildings were a front for the Genovese crime family. You know, that, Mm. that's, that whole thing began after World War II as a way to clean, you know, mob money and Mm. you know trump's father would get no interest loans from the fha and then build these buildings for returning gis and then the italian mob would you know funnel money through those things and then when trump struck out on his own he went to manhattan and his father said that's not our territory Hmm. you know meaning we're in with you know the four or five families but we're genovese we're in Mm -hmm. queens brooklyn you know and trump's like no i want to be in manhattan which is paul castellano and fat tony salerno (laughs) and that's how he got the concrete and all that stuff Mm -hmm. built in trump tower which is a whole different story so yes he's not and i've known some mobsters too and they're not like Trump. They're not going to be shooting their mouths off mm-hmm. publicly. You know, so Trump is in with the mob. It's now the Russian mob because mm-hmm. they forced yes. out the Italian mob for all intents and purposes. And Giuliani had a lot to do with that, who, you know, conveniently is now all in with yeah. Trump <laughs> yeah. and the Russians and the Ukrainians. So he's, I would say, mob affiliated. But you're right. He's not like a slick like a Tony Soprano. Right. Or one of these guys who just keeps their mouth shut. I mean, he told Bob Woodward, he was like, yeah, I wanted to assassinate Assad. Yeah, we have a new nuclear bomb that nobody knows about or nuclear weapon or something. It's like, what? You know what I mean? If you're in the mob, you're like, I'm in construction. (laughs) I'm in construction. There is no mob. What are you talking about? It's a social club. Like, they don't break. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's just he's like the dumb mobster. So <laughs> right, but let me make one more point that I like to make to people. When he built about his mob affiliation, when he built all those you know cheesy casinos in Atlantic City in the eighties, he would stiff the contract. Yes. You know, the guys who put in the carpet, the guys who put in the brass railing or whatever, he would, like, renege on paying them, you know? And these are these are tradesmen in South Jersey, you know what I mean? They probably yeah. had a couple of vans and, right. like, you know, were borrowing the money to get the, you know, the, the drywall or whatever it was, and were counting on that purchase order getting paid. Trump wouldn't pay it. Mm-mm. The people would try to sue him. They'd end up settling for pennies on the dollar. Some of these guys ended up committing suicide mm-hmm. because they lost everything going to work for him, you know, taking that contract. So how does a guy do that in South Jersey and live to tell about it? Yeah. I mean, Trump. You know what right, I mean? Yeah. How does – like, it's South Jersey. You know, it's Atlantic City, a town that's run by the mob. How come one of those carpenters wasn't able to take out a hit and say, look, this guy stiffed me on a hundred yeah. grand? You know, break his son's kneecaps or right. something. You know, huh. send him a message. Take him out. There's obviously guys who you could meet in a diner and give him an envelope full of cash, you know, yeah. that would – but none of them would take that gig. And Trump knew he was untouchable. Yeah. So he's got some uh, protection if, mm-hmm. if he's just got the balls to do that. You know what I mean? Because who yeah. else would be like, you're like, I'm going to die. I'm right. stiffing a carpenter in South Jersey. You <laughs> know, know? Right. Like, I don't want to ever start my car again. Yeah. You know, wow. it's going to blow up. But Trump was like, no, fuck you. Sorry to curse. You know, I'm, I'm not paying you. And knew he could do that with impunity. And that's also why I warn people now, like, he's got the Department of Justice on his side. Yes, he does. He's got the Supreme Court. His motto has always been, F you, stop me. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a guy who felt emboldened enough to attack a woman mm-hmm. in, in Bergdorf Goodman's, you yeah. know, who was famous, yeah, you know, who knew him. And he's like, I'm going to rape her in a dressing room mm-hmm. and no one's going to do a damn thing about it. Think about the psychosis of somebody who thinks they're entitled enough to get away with that. Yeah. You know, he's not wearing a ski mask in a parking lot right. on a dark night in some mall parking lot. He's like, I'm going to rape a famous person in Bergdorf Goodman and get away with it. And now when he's called on it as president, he's like, she's not my type. Yeah. You know, and then he just lawyers up for a month and now he's got or for, you know, a year. And now he's got a bill bar taken over the case. Yeah. Which he's is sick our, of our paying tax, his own lawyers to do it. Yeah. Our tax dollars are paying to defend him. Exactly. And that's just, exactly. oh, my God, that makes me so fucking angry. See, I say fuck all the time, so don't worry about it. Good. Okay. Um. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I use that as there's certain, and I'm glad you do, and we need to in this time. But there's certain examples that, like, show you yes. this guy's personality. That's pathological. Yes, You know, is. most people wouldn't have the balls. They'd be like, fuck, you know, I did something bad here, and I better keep this on the DL, or I better mm-hmm. do something. Trump's just like, F you, stop me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't yeah. have he, he whatever empathy gene he has like most people have he doesn't have he is a psychopath mary trump talks Mm -hmm. about that you know his own father had to lawyer up on his deathbed because he's like this kid's gonna try to steal my company and screw over his siblings you know well, Mary Trump, it's funny, today my boyfriend Bob Seska is interviewing Mary Trump, and it's like, how cool, I'm interviewing you, and he's interviewing Mary Trump. Oh my God. That's so awesome. I didn't know that. that he's, he's awesome, too. Wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah, we are. We've been together for like five years now. So anyway, and, and I'm the reason, I, he's the reason I'm doing a podcast. He helped me figure it all out. So, um, but okay, now I want to get to Ivanka, because boy, do I hate her. And I, 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 I wanted to, there was a woman and perhaps, you know, who I'm going to talk about or I'm talking about, but she, 
I don't know, she was on MSNBC. I guess she worked on The Apprentice and she basically said the same thing you did that, you know, okay, Trump is just a big mound of mush and, and like, you know, he does drugs and he hits on women, as you said before, but Ivanka is the one to be afraid of. And so there's also, I think somebody pointed out to me, I didn't hear your interview with Stephanie Miller, but I do want to ask about this first. So I think that you said Trump is aware, or no, I'm sorry, Ivanka is aware that her father wants to have sex with her and that she uses it to manipulate him. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Ugh. Absolutely. I think she, she plays it up for him sexually because she knows, and I don't know about her early childhood. We've all seen those pictures mm-hmm. where he brought mm-hmm. her to look model of the year awards. Yeah. You know, the one that everybody shows with his hand kind of in her shirt. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. That really creepy one that's yes. always on Twitter. So where she doesn't look too happy, but in what I experienced was when she was a you know young teen, mm-hmm. 13, 14, 15. This is before I worked with her on The Apprentice, you know, like when she was hosting Miss Teen Universe mm-hmm. and stuff. She would play it up because she knew she wasn't going to be the victim. Like, she'd get him all riled up knowing he was going to take it out on some other girl, yeah. you know, a contestant at the contest, one of the models that he brought over from Eastern Europe. You know, because at the time she was pursuing her modeling career with Casablancas, Trump was bringing over women women, girls, you know, from Eastern Europe, you know, because the Soviet Union was falling apart at the time, you know, so he's bringing over these women and putting them in the East Village, like four in a room, you know, six in a room in bunk beds and charging them two grand a month, you know, for the right to live there and promising them a visa, but they had to work off their earnings Mm -hmm. first, you know, for the airfare and the visa, the lawyers and stuff. So he was exploiting these women. There's no way Ivanka wasn't aware that mm-hmm. he was running basically a trafficking ring. Mm-hmm. You know, these women weren't getting modeling jobs. They were getting invited to the plaza, mm-hmm. you know, where Trump would be putting out plates of cocaine and inviting his buddies over, you know. And why don't you take Natasha there into the bedroom? It's cool, you know. And then Trump's filming this stuff, so then he has compromise on other people. So when he needs a building permit or something like that, the wheels are already greased. Oh, my God. You know, hey, Bob, remember when you came to that party last week and yeah. you got your blowjob? Guess what? I got a tape of it. Want me to show it to your wife or you still want to belong to the golf club and have the nice house in Wainscott? You know, or do you want or do you want to make sure that that permit gets passed? You know, gets I get what I want. So Trump had been using that sort of blackmail, underage women, you know, partying scene as a tool, right? So there's no way Ivanka, as astute as she is, wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. What I witness is like the lap dance. She gave him a lap dance at Miss Teen USA. You've seen the picture yes. of him give, her giving him a lap dance oh. at Mar-a-Lago. Yes. And you look at the other couple in that picture. They realize it's not right. If you look at the guy and the woman that are sitting next to them, they're giving him side eye. They're like, what the heck is this? You know, and the band, I always tell people, the band was the Beach Boys. Like, this was 1996. She was, like, 15. Do you, do you know any 15-year-old girls that were really into Mike Love in 1996? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It wasn't yes. like, oh, hey, it's the Backstreet Boys, and I just forgot where I was oh. sitting. I was so psyched. You know what I mean? It was the Beach Boys, you know, and she's got her hands in the air, and she's <sighs> grinding on him. So she would play it up, and that, that breathy, sibilant-esque cooing yes. sound – that's an invention for her. Her real speaking voice is lower. Mm-hmm. It's like an octave lower, and she curses like a sailor. She sounds like a girl from Queens, even though she grew up in Manhattan. And she was a party girl in Manhattan. She got kicked out of Chapin, you know? 
And like they sent her up to the Connecticut and she was pissed because she got sent out of the city where girls 14, 15 were going out to Dorian's Red Hand every night and getting high and going to Bungalow 8 or whatever club was open at that time, you know. So oh she God. plays it up with him knowing it's going to help her get what she wants. Because mm-hmm. as I said, she's running that show and so is Jared. Mm-hmm. You know, their marriage is like a marriage of convenience. Mm-hmm. You know, they had split up in the time I worked with them. They they broke up in like 2009 or something and then got married in 2010, right? So they were broken up for a year. They got back together because Wendy Dang Murdoch, Putin's rumored ex-girlfriend, you know, and, and, and Rupert's ex-wife mm-hmm. brought them together and said, mm-hmm. no, you guys need to get back together. You know, they brought him out on a yacht or something. and was like, you guys are getting back together. Next thing you know, they're married, mm-hmm. you know. So she... She runs that show. Mm -hmm. She ran it behind the scenes. Like, she was the only one who got a trailer. You know, I would have to show up four hours early because they would deliver a trailer for her. We shot the last three seasons at the Museum of Natural History, and there's an underground kind of parking garage near where we shot it, which is a theater on the first floor. And uh, I would show up to greet a trailer and a five-person glam squad. At like one in the afternoon or something, you know, where the rest of the crew call was like six or something or four. And I'd always be pissed because I was like, God, I got to go in early just to meet this chick's, <sighs> not chick, like I don't mean a derogatory, but you know what I mean? Right. So I have to meet her glam squad. Yeah. Like she doesn't even have a line on the freaking show. And now she's got a, the biggest trailer you've ever seen. You think Will Smith was on the show or <laughs> something. It was like, oh my God. You know, and this glam squad. And she was... She was the queen, you know, she was mm-hmm. like, and, and he is like Mary said, he is enamored of her. Like she, she, she pulls his, you know, pushes yeah. his buttons like nobody else. Huh. And if you saw that shot yesterday, like they did this fake, you know, signing, you know, it's not like we're at war with Bahrain or UAE or Israel was at war with them. You know what I mean? And yeah. calling it the Abraham papers or the Abraham accord, you know, making it sound like it's part of like the Torah or something. You know what I mean? It's, it's <laughs> so smarmy, oh, you know, cause Trump would call Jared the Jew. He'd be like, is the Jew here yet? Oh my God. Like he's anti-Semitic. Their whole family's anti-Semitic, you know? <sighs> so it's like when she, when she, you know, pulls this, or I'm a good Orthodox girl, yeah. you know, kind of thing. It just it drives me nuts, you know. Um, That's just but anyway, so if you gross. saw that yesterday, the 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 official White House feed, the opening shot was her walking slowly onto the South Lawn, you know, and it was a follow shot, like the camera just followed her mm-hmm. as if she was the president, mm-hmm. you know. And it's because they're collecting video of her at all these big international wow. events. You know, doing these all these big international deals, peace accords, mm-hmm. and her talking to you know Chancellor Merkel and all this stuff. You know, they're they're collecting her campaign, you know, footage now. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're shooting. They're sort of like grabbing all the footage they need in B-roll for her, you know, campaign commercials when he hands it over to her, which I guarantee you is the plan. So let me just, I know you're limited with time, but I want to squeeze in a couple more questions. As far as Don Jr. is concerned, um, I have heard that they're grooming him to be a possible POTUS. But it seems to me that Ivanka's the one that... Ivanka's definitely the one in terms of what Trump would want. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think the RNC sort of fell in love with with Scrump, as I call him, Don Jr. (laughs) I call him Derp. (laughs) Because he's like, you know, he's always been into guns and all this kind of like... 
bullshit, like toxic masculinity crap, you know? So he ended up opening for his father at all these MAGA rallies, whereas she's nowhere near. You've never seen her at a MAGA rally. You've never seen Jared. They know better Mm because they come from an educated, like, money New York thing, and they know how ridiculous and rednecky, you know, that is. So they're like, I'm not going to that white trash thing, (laughs) you know? I'm not using that word myself. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That's their attitude. Like, no, yeah. I'm not going to Alabama right. to have you in a room with 20,000 rubes cheering your name. But Don Jr. is like, hell yeah, I'll go. You know what right. I mean? Yes. So he's connected. Yeah. And the RNC, in terms of like, you know, CPAC types and people like that, you know, your Matt Slackman or whatever his name is, you know, those kind of people have taken notice of Donald Jr. and seeing that he would be a viable candidate. But she's the one who has the eye, their, her eyes on the prize. And they hate each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a fierce rivalry. Hmm. So uh, that'll be interesting. You know, it'll be a blood yeah, sport. And right. we can't let either of them get no. to it. She would win <laughs> yeah. just because she's so shady. And, mm-hmm. and Kushner's super shady. Mm-hmm. He's got files on everybody, hmm. you know. So I guarantee you they got enough stuff on, you know, on scrump that they'd, mm-hmm. they'd have to force him to drop. Wow. Out yeah. Of course they'd be smart enough to do that. Um, okay. Exactly. So the last question I have for you, and I don't know if you know about this or, or have anything to say specifically, but um, I wondered, you know, so I know that the Russians have all kinds. I think, I think I tweeted sometime, you know, like, you know what the Russians have on Trump? Everything. Because it's like, yeah. sure, they have, of course they have money stuff on him. Obviously they have that. And perhaps they have some kind of, you know, golden shower thing. Michael Cohen did talked about that happening in, in, uh, Nevada, in, in, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so whatever happens, and nobody really is going to care about that. But one of the things that I always wondered was I, because you mentioned that Trump had those parties and then he would get compromat basically on these people so that he could get these building deals. I've always wondered if that happened with, with Trump and Epstein. Like if, if Trump had gone to Epstein parties and then, you know, gone into a room with an underage girl, they got there was a camera in there and then Epstein calls him the next day. And the thing is, is that the Russians have been following Trump around, I guess, since like 1987, wanting to get dirt on him, wanting to connect with him. I've read 1987. It could be a little later in the early 90s, which is, I guess, when these um, parties were happening with Epstein. But what do you think the chances are that there's some kind of video out there, maybe that Russians have through Epstein? Maybe they paid Epstein... Really? It's a hundred percent. That's that's what they have on him. And it wasn't just Epstein. You know, Epstein was sort of Trump's protege. You know, Epstein based a lot of his like trafficking ops on what he saw Trump doing with mm-hmm. Trump model management and stuff. People act like Epstein was the heavy there. Mm-hmm. Trump was like the you know Epstein was a little brother to Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you watch that video that everybody sees in Mar-a-Lago yes. where Trump says something to Epstein's in his ear and then Epstein doubles over laughing and stuff, basically blushing, embarrassed. Imagine how creepy you have to be to creep out Jeffrey Epstein. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like imagine whatever he said in his ear made Jeffrey go, God damn, you're a sick motherfucker. You know what I mean? Because that's Trump. He'd be like, boy, I'll tell you what I'd like to do Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And that's how he would talk to his golf buddies. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a sick dude. Mm -hmm. And dude's, to a lot of all guys or many guys talk about women myself included like guys there is such a thing as sort of locker room talk mm-hmm. you know guys will be like wow check her out or mm-hmm. you know look at her 
Trump doesn't, is, again, he's missing some kind of gene. Mm-hmm. So even like the Access Hollywood tape, I grab him by the pussy. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks like that. No. That's not how guys talk about women. No. You, you know what I mean? You'd be like, oh, she's got great tits. So you should see her. You know, it's, right. he, he says it in these weird ass ways. <laughs> and I have friends who were in like these disgusting ch- text chains with him, mm-hmm. you know, his golf buddies and stuff. And they're like, dude, take me out of this. Cause he just, <laughs> yeah. Like you're just too weird. Like my yeah. wife is going to find this. Like yeah. I literally have a friend who's a famous dude who was like in one of these chains and he's like, take me out of wow. this, bro. <laughs> he had just gotten married. And he's like, if my wife sees this. And he was, he's a New York guy. He wasn't somebody who would normally, you know, be shy about that sort of thing. But Trump would just cross this line. Mm-hmm. So that being said, yeah, I think Epstein's safe was full of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. a reason the FBI didn't raid his island or the 71st Street mansion. Mm-hmm. And I live in that neighborhood. I live in Carnegie Hill, you mm-hmm. know. On 91st between 5th and Madison is the Russian consulate, which is known as sort of the spy consulate. Mm -hmm. You know, Jeffrey's place was between 5th and Madison on East 71st. You know, so if you're doing spycraft, that's a very convenient little Mm -hmm. avenue to walk up and down late at night and hand off a tape or something. Wow. Wow, wow. And that's part of the story. A guy was beaten to death in that consulate the night Trump won. Like, I'm sure you've heard about all these Russians that mysteriously fell off of rooftops, you know, one in DuPont Circle, I think. You know, the night Trump's election, all these guys died. In my opinion, that's kind of like when you see a bank heist movie and they Mm -hmm. break into the vault, you know, and then on the way out the door, the leader shoots all the other robbers Mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. back. You know, I think that's a Putin KGB operation, like, okay, anybody who was involved in this is now going to die, so we have just that much left a paper trail, right. you know? So, yes, there's definitely footage of Trump from Epstein's hands, but here's what I know, is that there was there was brothels and, like, poker dens, and you could buy cocaine in Trump Tower. That was sort of a, a well-known thing in the underworld, you know, in those circles or, you know, Upper East Side finance bro circles you know, that used cocaine of which, and I was part of that world for a while. Yeah. So like, I know these people and it's like, if you were a white guy and you worked on wall street, and you wanted to buy some cocaine, you go buy it off the street, you know, uptown, you could get arrested. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. walking around 125th street asking people if they have any blow, <laughs> yeah. you're taking a risk. Yeah. You go to Trump tower, you know, get off on the 41st floor and knock on the door where there's a poker room and there's a guy, mm-hmm. Sergey, and you're friends with such and such. You can do your deal and get in and out, no problem, hmm. right? So that was known, that there was a few places you could buy that stuff mm-hmm. there. They also had brothels. And I think Trump was basically, even though he was getting compromised on other people, mm-hmm. he's sort of arrogant and stupid. Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's in business with the Russians. They're not going to screw him. Right. So my, my theory is like, and I've heard this from other people that sort of investigated this stuff, is that they gave him essentially like a frequent flyer pass. Like, hey, Donnie, you can go in there anytime you want and do whatever you want, you know? Hmm. So he would just go up there whenever he felt like it, you know, and ask for a young girl and slap her around and do all these sick things that he'd do, thinking he was getting away with it. And all the while, they were filming him, you know, for like (sighs) decades. That's why I believe when you saw the Helsinki thing, Uh you know, where Trump stole the minutes from the American translator who was in the room, Uh you know, and then a second later he walks out on a world stage and goes like, Putin told me he didn't have anything to do with lecture and tampering, and I believe him. I don't believe our intelligence agencies. I think when the two of them were alone in the room, Mm -hmm. you know, Putin and 
Putin pulled out an iPad or something Ooh. and said, hey, Donnie, remember Maria? Remember <sighs> Svetlana? Remember this girl? And just showed him what he'd done oh through my the years. God. Bloody faces of young girls and stuff. Because if you see him walk out of that meeting immediately yes. after when you're, they walk into the press conference, yeah. he is slumped over. Yes, he is. He looks like Reek from Game of Thrones. Oh my like God. he is a broken man. And Trump doesn't usually look like that. No. Say what you want around him. He usually has his head up high, and he's usually clueless enough to feel like he's the man. He wasn't the man after that. He looked like he'd just seen death. He was ashen, you know, and I think he realized in that moment how deep he was in. Wow. And I think Putin said, here's your past. You know, <laughs> you know what will happen to you if mm -hmm. I, you know, if I release this. So we either walk out of this room and I say, hey, folks. I'm giving you all a zip drive right now, mm -hmm. you know, with pictures of your president and what he did for 15 years, you know, or, you know, he just gave Trump the other off. Or you're going to go out there and say, I didn't have anything to do mm -hmm. with tampering in the election. And you're going to tell him you believe me. Because mm -hmm. think about, and I know that sounds crazy and it's just no, a theory, it doesn't really, it doesn't but it's like, it's the only thing that really makes sense mm -hmm. to me, you know, that's, I'm, I, you know, I feel kind of validated because I think it was last year. I had gone out to dinner with my brother and sister and I brought this up and I was talking about specifically, I thought maybe it would have been, been, you know, I didn't realize the dynamic between Epstein and Trump the way that you described it, but I did, you know, figure that he had these parties and Trump was involved and, and, and all that happened. So I, you know, I feel kind of validated, but I also know that, and, and the last question I'm going to have is, do you think there's any chance that, Putin would ever release it. And I say that because usually people, you know, the point of compromise is to hold it over someone's head so that you can have all the control. And if you if you show that blackmail to the world, then you no longer have power. But clearly, Putin has more than just that. He's got, I think, I would guess, like, everything. He's got so many different different things to blackmail Trump with. But I mean, do you, do you think there's a chance that those tapes would ever, not that I want to see them, but just out of, you know, like, would it ever come out? Do you think it would ever come I, out? I absolutely think it'll come out because hmm. Putin's end game isn't just to have Trump as a mm -hmm, puppet. Mm -hmm. It's to destroy the Republic of the United States. Yeah. You know, it's to destroy us as a democratic Republic. Yeah. That's the chip he's had on his shoulder since the Soviet Union fell. Mm -hmm. You know, he's an ex KGB guy. Yes. He's still fighting the Cold War. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll come out when Trump is no longer useful to him mm -hmm. and when he really wants to plunge our, plunge our country into chaos. Mm -hmm. You know, imagine what would happen if he were to release those tapes. A third of yeah. the country would say, this is BS, yes. it's not real, Trump's yeah. our hero, they're trying to destroy him. Yeah. You know, and Trump conveniently has been building an army this whole time. Mm -hmm. Those rallies and those dudes mm -hmm. in their pickup trucks mm -hmm. with their Punisher skulls on the side and yeah. their NRA MAGA t-shirts... They're going to take up arms. We've already yes. seen it this summer. You know, he's got Michael Caputo, who worked with the Russians, yes. you know, who's a yeah. Russian information guy, yeah. you know, who's an American who was literally delivering Russian talking points into our political system, calling for armed revolt, you know. So I think Putin would release those when we were at our weakest. Hmm. You know, imagine a scenario where it's like the election is in doubt. You know, Trump doesn't ex accept the results. We're in this series of recounts. There's a lot of, like, disturbance, you know, in the streets. You know, it's been six weeks since November. You know, we're in January. Yeah. We're sort of like in a bloody redux of what happened in 2000. You know, it's dark. It's cold out. And you drop those things. You know what I mean? You would yeah. sort of break the back of the American, like, yeah. psyche 
You know what I mean? People yeah. would just be like, this is all too much for me. Right. You know, it would just, it would cause damage. And I think, and again, it's just my theory, I think Mueller got hip to that. Hmm. And I think that's why he didn't go any deeper into hmm. Trump's business ties and whatever, because I think he's a Republican at heart and mm-hmm. he's an American. And he was just like, this will get too ugly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think he was just like, I can't touch that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's some talk that Trump has always been a CI, which makes some sense, a confidential informant himself, mm-hmm. you know, on the mob or whatever. But like, so there's some... There's a lot there. You know, yeah. I'm not an expert. I just know uh, I know Putin is crafty and smart, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Trump is a man who gives into his desires mm-hmm. and doesn't think about the consequences. And that's a bad combination. Yeah. No. Really, so. really. Oh, my God. You're, you're so fascinating. I mean, I was I was slightly concerned that I wouldn't have enough questions for you. And I, I, I haven't asked everything, but I'm really um, I'm just fascinated by everything that you say your experience. I mean, I'm reading Michael Cohen's book now. And I like I said, I was uh, reading about Melania and it's just, I mean, not that I think that any of this is going to, there's going to be some smoking gun in, in the books or anything like that, but it's just to get the sense of who we're dealing with. And obviously you worked with him and had that experience. So, oh my God, thank you for talking about this and, and helping. I know that not everybody's going to listen to you because again, fake news and, you know, partisan blah, blah, blah. But clearly I, you know, anybody who has some sense <laughs> knows that you're telling the truth and, and, and all you have to do is witness other things that have happened and pair them with what you're saying and go, yes, this is true. So I really do appreciate the fact that you're coming out and you're talking about this, uh, just as a human being, just as an American. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. It's, I mean, I, I'm kind of blown away right now. <laughs> just, just all this information is like, ugh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah. awful. It's a lot. It's awful. But it's also so fascinating. So before you go, um, why don't you tell everybody uh, where they can find you? Okay. Well, Twitter, as you mentioned before, is probably the best place. And my handle is at Castler Noel. Noel Castler Comedy is the name of my page. Um, it, nothing is funny that I'm going to say <laughs> there. Um, yeah, I don't think any of this is funny. I do try no, to I like, know. you know, I, all of my jokes have a kernel of truth in them. Yes. You know, so don't think if you come and follow me that I'm flipping about any of right. this. I'm not. I'm no. doing this because there's kids in cages right now. Yeah. You know, and there's a madman locking them up and at the helm. But I do try to make it funny. Yeah. And I do. I chime in a lot, as you know, Kimberly. Yes. So if you want a, a funny way to, to follow the day's headlines, you're welcome to come on board. And, and again, thanks for having me, Kimberly. I'm a big fan. Aww. I've seen your Twitter a lot, and I'm a follower now. And uh, thanks for all you do. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, thank you so much. And, hey, you take care. You got it, Kimberly. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, my God, that was such an amazing interview. I could have had, literally, I could have had him on for another hour. I didn't even get to, like, I wanted to talk about Eric Trump because he's just so dumb, but I didn't. But, oh, my God. And you know what? I really feel validated now because I swear I thought that Epstein, you know, there would be tapes of, and I I don't feel good about this in that I'm glad that it happened. I feel validated myself for kind of coming up with the fact that Epstein would have tapes of him with an underage girl or more than one. I mean, I just think it's, I think it's kind of obvious. I've heard people on Twitter or, you know, when I've talked to people in person, kind of brush that away as if, oh no, it's just his taxes. No, it's everything. And this, this person, Noel knows shit. 
You know, I mean, he obviously wasn't there. He didn't go and see him perform these illegal acts, but he was connected to it and he saw a whole other world that, you know, I mean, like I had no idea that there were these parties that Trump held. I didn't realize he was the one connecting or I'm sorry, getting compromise on on people to make and it makes so much sense, but to make kind of these business deals. My mind is blown. <laughs> it should it shouldn't be. I'm not really surprised. It's it's all what we've thought. It's all what we've discussed. Ivanka is just as terrible as, you know, we, we, we can see with our own eyes. But the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and that's precisely why I like reading, and I'm not finished yet. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't read it for a couple of days, and I am just dying to get back to it, the Michael Cohen book. And, and it's the same idea. Like, you know that he's telling the truth because you've seen the behavior. He's just, like, behind the scenes giving you that inside scoop, giving you those extra details that you're hungry for, which I am. Anyway, I'm hungry for them because I feel like... I don't have very much power when it comes to Trump. I've got my vote. I've got my big mouth. I've got my Twitter feed. But I'm just some small potato. We're all kind of small potatoes that can come together and be one huge one and stomp him out and vote him out. But there's not so much we can really do right now except watch in horror. And so it's always kind of interesting to get that backstory. I mean, there were, oh, there were books written about Mussolini and books written about Hitler. And I do believe Trump is just as bad, just different. He's just a different version of, of psycho, crazy, bad, bad guy. So I, you know, I mean, it used to be that you weren't allowed to compare Trump with Hitler. And I can understand why. What happened in Germany was, and if, I just saw today on Twitter, it was two thirds of young Americans don't even know or don't even, they have no idea what happened in Nazi Germany, which is just disgusting. That's disgusting. I was fortunate enough. I mean, I've talked about the fact that my education could have been better. My, my Southern California public education could have been better. I, I know that schools in Maryland were so much more, I mean, I think I've said this before, where I was, I was living in actually Laurel Canyon. And my teacher, my sixth grade teacher was teaching us straight up addition, 45 plus 36. I go to Maryland and I, I, I finished out the year in Maryland and they were doing reciprocal. So the kind of education that I got uh, in California was a lot different, but I knew about the Holocaust. And I remember, you know, I lived in Russia and we used to get tapes all the time, stuff to watch because <laughs> Russian television sucks, especially in Soviet Russia. It was really, really bad. So People from the United States would always send their friends and relatives who were living in Russia stuff to watch. And one of those movies that I got was Playing for Time. And for, for those not aware, it was really good. But it was just such a horrible, sad movie. Melanie Mayron is in it. And I think it was Vanessa Redgrave. Vanessa? I think it was Vanessa. And the story was about they were the, there were a certain group of women who I think were like half Jewish. So they were kept alive. To, and they and, and and these women in the movie uh, were musicians, so they were kept alive to entertain the Nazi soldiers with their music. And it was really hard to watch that movie. It was so sad and so awful, but done very well. And I mean, of course, there's Schindler's List and all that. So I mean, even if, even if you didn't learn it in school, there are movies. And and the fact that there are are young people today that don't even believe or don't know that there was a Holocaust is sickening. But anyway. I know we're not supposed to compare 
or at least initially we weren't supposed to compare Trump to Hitler because the Holocaust was just incredibly, I mean, I don't even know what the word, is there a word to even describe how awful it was? But I think that we are pretty much coming up to that. We've got more, almost 200,000 dead in this country. So yeah, I think that, that, that now we can make that comparison safely. Going back to my original point, the, the fact that we can talk to people who have been up close and personal with the Trump family and give us these details, I do think is important because we're never going to get that smoking gun. The smoking gun is going to be voting day. You know, I mean, are we going to get there and, and get him out of office? And obviously, I'm saying smoking gun loosely, but you know what I'm talking about. It's just we, we are the ones who are going to have to determine his fate. And we're, we're up against a lot. We're up against cheating. We're up against gerrymandering so much. So I think it's really important to know as much as we can going into this election. And I know everybody listening to this show is already going to vote for Biden. <laughs> but still, you, you have friends, you have family if you can, if you can talk to them, and it's it's very difficult to prove, but each every once in a while, those voters are peeling off. He calls he calls our troops losers and suckers. My dad, who went to Vietnam and was wounded in the arm, and and saved all kinds of lives over there. He's got the Purple Heart, but he, I think he he's one other. He doesn't talk about Vietnam very much, so I really don't know what happened. I know he told Bob, my boyfriend, he told Bob because he fucking loves Bob, man. He just loves Bob so much. But he told him a story that I, I, he swore Bob to secrecy, which I think Bob has explained it to me and I have a vague idea of what my dad did. But my dad did something that was incredible and, and it wound up saving a bunch of lives. And, you know, my dad is very, very, very humble and he doesn't like to brag about any of it. So I don't know too much about it. But I'm just, I don't know, I, I, I talked... I talk to this guy and I listen to him and I read these books and I feel like all these people are giving us this big full picture about what's happening. And it's just incredible. And I hope that we're all able to take from this and learn from this and, and, and have a voting plan. I think last night I was watching MSNBC. I don't know who it was. Somebody said, let's, let's go back to 2016 at this time in that last month and whatever we like wish we could have done, we should have done. Let's do it now. So that could mean phone banking. That could mean a number of things, talking to your family, whatever it is. If you have any regrets about the way you dealt with 2016, which you probably don't because, you know, I mean, I did some phone banking and I was doing what I could. I I look at Alyssa Milano. She was like literally driving people to the polls. That's going to be a little bit different and difficult this year. But still, there are things that we can do. There's so much. In fact, in fact, I know that without Florida, Trump has no path to victory. So Bloomberg is spending $100 million there, thankfully. Plus, there is, if you go go to Demcast, I think it's like Demcast.com or Demcast.com. I don't think it's .com, whatever. Just to go to Demcast. I should know that. I am part of it. I should know the, the formal uh, <laughs> URL for that. But I know they're, they, they've got something. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to post it in the description of this show. It's just a way you can help in Florida. Everybody can do their part, whether it's phone banking, whether it's donating. There are certain things that you can do, and Demcast has it all outlined. So I'm going to include that in the Patreon description of this show. Okay, that's it. I'm, I'm done now. 
That was some crazy show. So, of course, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And then you can read my books if you go to my Amazon page. And always, if you like my books, give my books a good review. Podcasters need good reviews, blah, blah, blah. You heard me say it a million times, but you guys are doing it. You're giving me good reviews, and I appreciate it, so thank you. And that's going to be it for today. Oh, my God, what a show. Thanks for listening. Stay safe out there.